Welcome to Down to Business with V, a show dedicated to bringing you actionable information to help protect you, your families, your businesses, and the community. I'm your host, V, and today we're discussing elder abuse and elder fraud, what it is, how to identify it, and what to do if you or a loved one is a victim. Let's get down to business. From Atlanta, Georgia, to becoming a United States Marine, to Washington, D.C., and every place in between. Everybody calls me V. My goal is to bring you resources, education, and knowledge from sources you can trust that informs and protects to safeguard our families, our businesses, and the community. Now let's get down to business. Welcome to Down to Business with V. I am your host, V, and today we are discussing elder abuse and elder fraud. We have in the studio today with us via Zoom, Rachel Gibson, Director of the Center for Victim Service Professionals at the National Center for Victims of Crime. She'll be helping to bring awareness to the subject for us today. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. So I know as we talked in previous discussions about elder abuse and elder fraud, you kind of gave an overview of what it is, um, how it happens, and then some common misconceptions of, about what it is and how it happens. So can you share a little bit about that with our audience today? Sure. So elder abuse, and when we, we say elder, I'm going to use the frame older adult, but older adult abuse um, can really be anyone over the age of 60 plus. That will change depending on uh, if you're talking about state law or federal or whatever, but but I'm, I'm saying 60 plus here. And this abuse really, again, thinking about power dynamics, control dynamics, um, it depends on, again, the type of crime. So if we're thinking about some of the, the elder abuse that is rooted in ab uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, who has access to those folks, but intimate partners or caregivers. When we think about financial fraud or identity theft, that is typically done by someone that the person may not know. When we think about investment scams or a mortgage lending or Ponzi schemes, those tend to be by uh, you know uh, leaders of affinity group. Uh, your investment banker, your leader of your Elks Lodge, or those sorts of things because they have access to it. So anyone uh, can be a victim of elder abuse. We do see that um, in certain cases, women, those are older adults who uh, are living with uh, mental health uh, disabilities such as dementia or Alzheimer's, folks that are dependent on caregivers, folks that are socially and physically isolated, they may be more of a target population. Uh, in uh, There's a statistic that says from 2002 to 2016, more than 643,000 older adults were treated in the emergency department for non-fatal assaults. Um, and that was by the CDC. And, you know, thinking about the ways in which um, that access is, is, is available for someone who um, is committing these types of crimes. Again, caregivers, nursing home attendants, family members who have power of attorney, those sorts of, of folks are committing 
um, that that sort of crime, nurses that come to the home um, that that um, are, are exhibiting these sorts of behaviors. And, and it's important, especially as we're thinking about those in our lives who might be victims of, of uh, elder abuse, that they actually may not identify that they're experiencing abuse. Um, again, especially if that abuse is happening by someone that they love and trust, like a caregiver or family member. No one wants to believe that someone they love is is abusing or harming them. Um, and so it's important that, you know, as, as community members, as friends, that we help them identify what could be happening and then getting them to the help and resources that are out there for them. All very important, uh, Rachel. Um, something that you said quite disturbing in that, in that um, explanation of what might be happening to the victims is that the CDC reported that there were um, victims being admitted to hospitals that were victims of you know, some sort of physical assault um, surrounding this, this type of uh, abuse. Um, what, what are some signs and identifiers that someone might be going through this? Say we're looking at it from the outside looking in. What could trigger sure. somebody? Sure, so first, you know, we think about the physical components to it. Uh, bruising, uh, wetting themselves, um, not taking care of themselves. They, they may not be uh, bathing regularly. They may uh, be experiencing those sorts of physical identifiers, right? Those are, that's the things that we can see. But then it's the things that we can hear. So maybe saying uh, uh, an older adult is saying to a friend, yeah, my, you know, I, I deposited $10,000 of my social security and um, I'm, I'm missing $2,000 and I'm not sure what happened. Or um, I, you know, I used to go to my canasta club and, you know, my, my son or my, my nurse is saying they won't take me anymore or um, they're, they're, they say I can't go. Um, and so that isolating, they're being isolated from their community groups. When friends or family call or text, the, the older adult is no longer uh, there or they're always quote unquote busy. They can't come to the phone. Uh, and then thinking to in the intimate partner piece where uh, sexual assault might be happening, where uh, the person is emotionally or psychologically abusive, uh, putting that person down. The person may feel like they can't go to their rabbi or their priest because you know, they, they are religious and they don't want to get their partner in trouble. Um, and so those are some of the kind of identifiers. When we think about identity fraud or identity theft, again, their accounts are being taken over. Uh, they now have a new power of attorney, but it kind of happened quickly. Uh, it's someone that the family doesn't know. Uh, they've they've started a new romance with someone and they are they're thinking of sending you know tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars to their new love interests overseas to help them get home uh those sorts of 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 um tactics of abuse are being used yeah i like that you mentioned that financial component and um you know just some of the things that would be a red flag for someone outside of the situation looking in or someone up close to it to be able to say, you know, something's not right here. Um, when it comes to um, some of the, the misconceptions, um, tell us about what some of those might be from, from an either an inside or outside perspective. Sure, so again, when we think about an, an older adult, 
their generation is is quite different than than the latter ones in that they're more trusting. They, you know, they believe you say what you say, you mean what you say. And so they tend to believe if somebody says that your computer is broken, um, they get an email that says their their computer is broken. They're going to believe that the computer is broken because they, why would why would someone lie about that? Um, there are are misconceptions that if an older adult is victimized, that they are no longer able to care for themselves. And so we have to really think about self determination and the way in which this no this doesn't negate that that person has uh, wisdom and that they um, can't can't do for themselves. But it is our our due diligence to help them navigate navigate this, right? And so if this happens to say it is okay, you were a victim, someone chose to do this, and it does not mean that you no longer can care for yourself. Um, and, and, and we help them navigate it. Thinking about to the ways technology are being utilized. There are way more older adults now online than ever before. And so helping them navigate what pitfalls might be out there, helping them understand how to set up privacy and safety features, helping them um, identify that, that you know they shouldn't open certain links. And so that especially uh, plays plays a part in, in that. Um, and then, you know, thinking about that these these types of people are looking for vulnerability. They're looking for someone who's isolated. They're looking for someone with, um, even if they do have a community that maybe they feel isolated, you know, in that larger community. They're looking for people to prey on. They're, they're looking for um, folks who may be able to uh, provide money in a, in a different way. When we think about investment scams, those tend to be older, educated gentlemen who are at retirement age, right? And they're looking for a way to invest. So they're looking for people who fit the mold and, and, and they target individuals. They are targeting people. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting, Rachel. And you touched on a lot of the, the, um, the types of fraud that targets these victims that are 60 plus. When we come back, I'd like to hear more about that and have you share a little bit more with our audience about it. Um, we're gonna have Rachel Gibson um, back in the studio via Zoom in just a few moments. Stay tuned. Every organization is responsible for ensuring cybersecurity. The ability to protect its information systems from impairment or even theft is essential to success. Implementing effective security measures will not only offer liability protection, it will also increase efficiency and productivity. With our cybersecurity workshop, your participants will understand the different types of malware and security breaches, develop effective prevention methods which will increase overall security. They'll also understand the basic concepts associated with cybersecurity and what a company needs to stay secure. Find out more about training for you and your organization at VickerGroup.com. Every year, millions of Americans fall victim to crime. At the National Center for Victims of Crime, we believe that every single victim deserves the support they need on their healing journey. We provide assistance to victims across the nation for every type of crime so that they can recover from the emotional, physical, and financial costs of their experience. But we need your help in this work. Find out more about the National Center and how you can help victims of crime by visiting victimsofcrime.org. 
Welcome back to Down to Business with V. I am your host, V, and today we are discussing elder abuse and elder fraud. I have in the studio again with me today via Zoom, Rachel Gibson, Director of the Center for Victim Service Professionals at the National Center for Victims of Crime. Welcome back, Rachel. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. So we're talking today about elder abuse, elder fraud, what it is. And can you just recap for our viewers what elder abuse is and what are some of the common misconceptions surrounding it? Sure. So elder abuse is the willful infliction of injury, unreasonable confinement, intimidation, or cruel punishment with resulting harm, pain, or mental anguish or deprivation by a person, including a caregiver of goods or services that are necessary to avoid physical harm, mental anguish, or mental illness. So I give you that definition um, by the CDC to say that anyone over the age of 60 who is being subjected to physical, emotional, psychological, sexual, uh, financial fraud abuse um, can be experiencing elder abuse in, in its many forms. And then thinking about to some of those misconceptions that, you know, if an older adult becomes a victim of elder abuse or financial fraud, that they're no longer able to take care of themselves is wrong. We should always allow for self-determination and autonomy. And so we want to empower older adult, adults to feel like they can share if they've been victimized without shame and humiliation. Um, you know, thinking again, too, that it can only happen to one type of person. Elder abuse can manifest in many ways by caregivers, uh, leaders of affinity groups, uh, strangers uh, on the internet or family members. And so, you know, this type of abuse affects all types of people at all walks of life, whether you are rich or whether you are at the other end of the socioeconomic uh, sphere. Uh, it can it can affect anyone. It can look differently, but it can affect others. There are some target populations who are more at risk for certain types of victimization, like financial fraud for victims who are uh, in uh, domestic violence or intimate partner violence relationship for those who are uh, repeat victims uh, and then thinking about older adults as well, they tend to fall, uh, uh, they tend to be more po uh, targeted populations when we think about financial fraud, financial abuse, uh, elder fraud, that sort of thing. But ultimately, this affects all types of people at all walks of life. Very interesting. One of the things that you said in the first segment that really resonated with me is that just because a member of our population that is 60 plus has been targeted by a, a, a scammer and has fallen victim to it does not mean that they don't have the wherewithal to take care of themselves. Exactly. They are and still functioning citizens of our society and you stated have wisdom. So talk mm -hmm. a little bit more about that. Sure. And so you'll hear me use the term older adult because we, we use that term in this work, but I call I call my, my, my folks in my community elder, right? Because they are older than me. They come with that wisdom. Fingers crossed they do. Um, they've gotten to that age that they can identify uh, and be helpful, right? And so just because they have, have been victimized by someone does not mean that they have lost their credibility. It does not mean that they no longer can care for themselves. It may mean that we have to adjust and do some coaching and do some conversations, but it does mean that um, that they, they, they still have the right to self-determination. They have the right to autonomy. They have the right to, to, 
take care of themselves where appropriate, right? And so though these are conversations as, as family members or caregivers, we're gonna have with that older adult to, to assess where they are at. But our first rule isn't to just say, well, they no longer are competent, but it is to say, how do we help them maintain that level of individuality, that level of, of self-care taking that they are accustomed to while also helping them adjust, right? Because for, for anyone, we know that the internet and that frauds and scams have have come leaps and bounds from when they were young adults. And so it is it is hard to navigate. It is hard to understand. I know people who are not older adults who have, have fallen victims to scams and, and fraud. And so we have to really be mindful about how we approach this situation because again, older adults are gonna come with a feeling of shame, of humiliation, of that they should have known better because of their age. And, and we have to validate that it is okay that they've experienced it and that we're here to help them navigate it and get them connected to resources and support. Thank you for sharing that as well. Um, one of the things that we discussed a little bit earlier is some of the signs surrounding this abuse that might be targeting um, our 60 plus audience members. What are some of those signs? Sure, so there's a lot of ways in which tactics of elder abuse or abuse can, can meta manifest. So thinking about uh, the fact that there may be multiple issues occurring at one time. So not only is there the abuse that they're experiencing, but there may be other uh, uh, um, things happening like intimate partner violence, like financial fraud, like physical abuse. And so we have to understand that these sorts of, of tactics are being utilized. Sexual assault is, is one that we see happening in a lot of, of intimate partner violence relationships among older adults where they are being um, uh, sexually abused, not maybe only by their intimate partner, but by a caregiver. Uh, there was a case not too long ago uh, of, of uh, a nursing home attendant who sexually assaulted a woman and that person ended up pregnant. And so thinking about how th that may play out, thinking about in terms of technology where uh, they're, they're getting email scams, they might get a phone call that their grandchild is locked in a Mexican prison and they must send $5,000 and they you know, wanna help their, their grandchild out and so they may wire that money. Uh, thinking about uh, mortgage scams. Well, why don't you do this reverse mortgage? It'll, it'll cause your home value to go up. Or thinking about, again, these Ponzi schemes where uh, you invest your $10,000 and you'll get a $50,000 return. And so those are some of, some of the tactics as well. Uh, withholding medication can be a tactic. Uh, when we think about the way in which older adults now are utilizing uh, assistive technology. So if they're using a wheelchair and their wheelchair gets broken by uh, a, 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 a intimate partner, a caregiver, someone who wants to abuse them, uh, not giving that person baths if they're a caretaker, withholding baths from them, withholding their medication, um, making it so that they are isolated. So they're no longer allowed to go to sporting events or their, their club events, making it so that uh, they must sign their power of attorney over to a, a, a new business partner that they just met within the last month or so. Uh, so these are some of the, the, the tactics that you might see. Rachel, we discussed a little bit during the break about what happens as we identify that some of these things might be occurring to 
a family member, a friend, a neighbor, someone in the community. How do we navigate reporting in these very sensitive situations? What would you recommend? Yes, and I think it's especially critical to think about it as for, for older adults because when older adults experience abuse, in certain cases, it may trigger uh, adult protective services to come in. And again, this is a place where if we want to be um, trauma-informed, if we want to meet that person where they are, we want to minimize the risk of trauma happening, we do that in partnership with the older adult, adult when we are able to do so, right? So if they're cognitively still able to kind of help make some decisions, you talk with them and you say, hey, look, you know, why don't we make this report together? Why don't we call, you know, APS together and help figure this out? But reporting again, doesn't necessarily just mean a criminal report. It could be that you report, uh, if you're um, experiencing a romance scam, maybe you report it to the dating website and have that person blocked or removed. If it's a, uh, someone has gained access to your bank account, you're calling your bank and shutting down that account. You're locking down your credit. Uh, Norton LifeLock is a, is a friend of, of, of our organization and they have some really good techniques that can help victims think about how do they lock down their account using a LifeLock system? How do we, um, you know, change our account information? Maybe we're putting a freeze on the on our credit accounts with the three credit bureaus. Um, and then again, thinking that reporting could be to a website, could be to um, an, an, an online account system, uh, that sort of thing. And so those are some of the ways in which someone could report. It doesn't always have to be criminal. It could be civil. Um, in many financial fraud cases, there is a civil route which can be tedious and may not get that person all of their money. This is the recovery process during financial fraud is a long winded process. And so, you know, victims have to understand that, but they may be able to go a civil route. So you have your, your criminal route, your civil route, and then you're reporting to the, to the uh, account, um, account platforms uh, for takedown or for blocking. Very interesting. Uh, we did have Dr. Kevin Alejandro Randi from Norton LifeLock on the show. Um, I know Kevin. Yes. yes, he brought some excellent information. Um, so Norton LifeLock definitely uh, a great resource for for kind of mitigating these sorts of issues as well as recovering from them. Um, exactly. And your site and your organization, the National Center for Victims of Crime, has uh, multiple resources on the site, including elder abuse resources. Talk to us a little bit about what we can find there. Sure, so we ha do have our elder abuse resources and I would be remiss if I didn't also shout out our other national partners, the National Clearinghouse on Abuse and Later in Life and the National Center uh, for uh, Elder Abuse. Both have really great resources. We work in partnership with many of those organizations and we share information and, 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 and have that information. And then we have the uh, National Elder uh, Fraud, I think it's Elder Fraud or Elder Abuse Hotline is a really good tool and then our Victim Connect hotline. And, and like I said earlier, our Victim Connect hotline is for anyone who's experiencing any type of victimization. So 
It could be elder abuse. It could be intimate partner violence. It could be financial fraud, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you experienced it. So it could be the crime that you've experienced today or 20 years ago. But that Victim Connect hotline can be accessed through phone, chat, or text. And so we offer multiple ways in which people can get access to the support and services that are offered nationally. Awesome. Rachel Gibson, Director for the Center for Victim Service Professionals at the National Center for Victims of Crime. We are ecstatic that you've been on the show today. Um, one of the things in closing that you pointed out earlier is that this could happen to anyone. So thank you for being on the show today, for sharing um, all of the resources, knowledge, and information that you have with us. Our audience will be greatly impacted. Um, again, if you or someone you know has been a victim of elder fraud or elder abuse, do visit the National Center for Victims of Crime for more resources to assist you. I'd like to thank our guest, Rachel Gibson, Director of the Center for Victim Service Professionals at the National Center for Victims of Crime. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your insight and expertise with our audience today. We certainly do appreciate you. I'd also like to thank our studio and production team, Hannah, Hank, Eric, Stephen, Suzanne, and Doug. Thank you so much for all you do to make this show possible. I'd also like to thank you, last but not least, our audience for watching. If you'd like to sponsor the show, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or if you have ideas for the show, be sure to email us at show at dtbwithv.com. Thank you so much. Be sure to join us next time on Down to Business with V, a show that brings you actionable information to help protect you, your families, your businesses, and the community. I'm your host, V. We'll see you next time. <music>